Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We're glad to be able to be with you each day here on Search the Scriptures to open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and grow in our faith thereby. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Or more succinctly put, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as we keep emphasizing on this program and our studies together, faith is not something that's magical or mystical or that kind of floats around in the air and lands on some people and misses others. It's not something that somebody develops whether they want it or not, but faith comes through getting into God's Word, learning His teachings, understanding them, and then beginning to believe. And as we begin to believe, then faith is developing. And as we study more and more through God's Word, our faith gets stronger and deeper. And ultimately, if we keep developing our faith, it should lead us to come closer to God and then lead us to the point where we make up our minds I want to obey God. I want to become a Christian. I want to be saved. And so I'm ready to repent of my sins. I'm ready to own my faith, confess my faith in Christ as God's Son and my Lord and Savior. And I'm ready to be baptized into Him so the blood that He shed on the cross can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. And I can be made new spiritually, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, reborn spiritually, John 3, verses 3 through 5. That's the ultimate, the ultimate development and blessing of faith that grows. But then we're just coming out of the starting block, so to speak. We're beginning a new life in Christ And so we continue in God's word. We keep growing in our knowledge and thereby keep growing in our faith. And that faith then guides us through life and ultimately to heaven itself. Well, what a great blessing it is for us to have God's word. And we want to encourage you to take every advantage that we can help you with to learn God's word more and more. We have free Bible studies that we send out through the postal mail. They are free. All you have to do is ask for them. We'll send them to you. You can contact us through our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link, or you can call us at 402-498-8397, Now, you can also go to our website at churchofchrist.com, and you can click on the listen button at the top of the page and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after your wallet. We want to help you get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever it might be, you'll receive these radio programs, Search the Scriptures, Monday through Friday, automatically going to your smart device. So if you cannot tune in at every time they're on during the day, and they are on several times a day, you can tune in whenever you have the opportunity and listen to them through your smart device. Now that will be automatic. 
but you'll also receive a whole lot more Bible study opportunities. You will receive on your smart device a short, about a 13-minute daily Bible study that we call today's Bible class. And you'll receive all of our sermons and a Sunday morning Bible class and a Wednesday night Bible class. While on our website, you can download and listen to, and now many of those are posted in video format as well as audio format, hundreds of sermons. And you can download and study through and grow spiritually through that study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. All of that is for free. All of that is open to you. You have the opportunity to take advantage of it. And in that way, continue to study God's Word. Hope you'll do so. And encourage everybody else you can to do so as well. Now, we're going to get back into our current line of study. And we're talking about the existence of God. This is a study that's lasting for several weeks. We've already gone through the first couple of sections of the study, talking about logical reasons to believe in God. Logical reasons. Why it makes sense. In fact, logic really dictates that we believe in God. Because, again, the evidence is there. The common sense reasoning points us in that direction. So we talked about God being the basic bottom line standard of goodness. We understand what goodness is, not because mankind has taught us that, not because some governmental body passes certain laws and says, now those are good laws. We understand goodness because God has demonstrated his goodness to us. His word teaches us about his goodness. And all goodness, true goodness, ultimately goes all the way back to God. He is the basic standard for goodness. And when you remove God from the picture, somebody says, well, I don't believe in God, then there is no standard for goodness. It's just open to everyone's own personal opinion, which changes on a regular and frequent basis. But God is a fundamental, the fundamental, solid standard for goodness, true goodness. The same thing is said, and we looked at a, another section of our study, morality. How do we determine what is moral and immoral? God? God. Well, again, you talk to human beings, and they have all kinds of different positions on morality and immorality. But God is consistent. His word consistently teaches us morality and against immorality. You take God out of the picture, and there is no basis for morality. It's all up in the air, whatever any one individual thinks. But to have real morality, you have to have a moral law giver. And that moral law giver is God. In this particular section of our study, we've been looking at the trustworthiness and the truthfulness of God's word. Now, somebody who does not believe in God is not going to believe in God's word. 
But unfortunately, most of those who do not believe in God probably have not given much attention to studying God's word. As we keep emphasizing, faith is not accidental. It comes by studying God's word. Romans 10 and verse 17. And we looked at how the scriptures are very open, repetitive, and straightforward in declaring themselves to be God's word. But now anybody could say that what they say is true. But you see, the difference between what somebody might say from on a human level and what the scriptures say about the truth, their truth being from God, the scriptures say, examine me, study deeply, be diligent in your examining what I'm saying, because the scriptures are not afraid of self-examination. Truth does not need to fear examination. But when we're just speaking from a human level, what somebody tells us, what somebody says, what somebody declares to be truth on their own, well, a lot of times they don't want us to examine what they say. They want us to just accept it as though they're all authoritative on the matter. But many times when you start examining what they say, fact-checking it, as it's called, you find out that what they said is not necessarily totally true. And a lot of times that makes them angry with you because you have actually fact-checked and found out that what they have said is not necessarily completely true. They may become angry with you. They may become your enemy because of what you've done and what you have confronted them with, that what they said was not necessarily completely true. The scriptures, on the other hand, again, no fear of examination. Dig deep. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling correctly the word of truth. Now look at this next verse of scripture. 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I want us to look at verse 21. What does that say? The Apostle Paul writes, Test all things, hold fast what is good. Another translation there, the King James Version says, Prove all things. Prove all things. Now, why should we believe the Bible and thereby believe in God? Well, the scriptures themselves, as we've been emphasizing, and we read many scripture texts that encourage thorough study of its message. Not just 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, Acts chapter 17, verse 11, John 6 and verse 68, Acts 20 and verse 32, Ephesians 1 and verse 13, 2 Timothy 3, verse, verses 15 through 17, James chapter 1, verse 21, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, and we could go on. And Jesus, praying to God the Father on the night of his betrayal, declared God's word to be truth. He prayed, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
and the scriptures themselves encourage us, instruct us to prove all things. We're not told to just accept what the scriptures say on face value without any examination. No, we're told to prove all things. Why should we believe the Bible and thereby believe in God? Because the Bible continually and consistently proves itself to be true through examination and including examination by its critics. The Bible provides numerous facts written down that were unknown to humanity at the time the Bible was written, but were later discovered to be matters of truth as we became more sophisticated and knowledgeable in our examination through scientific learning and historical learning. Think about that. The Bible provides numerous facts unknown to humanity at the time they were written down in the scriptures. And that understanding, that fact, requires a divine intelligence as the source of those facts. Now, some might be scratching their head a little bit and saying, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about here. Can you give me some examples? Numerous examples. And we'll probably just pretty much scratch the surface here. But here are some pretty impressive ones. When we look at Job, Job chapter 26, and I want us to read verse 7. And so often, when we're looking at these facts that are written down in the Bible, they're written down in a rather matter-of-fact way. But what they're saying, from a scientific perspective, was unknown to people at that day and did not become known for hundreds of years or maybe thousands of years. Job may be the oldest book in the Old Testament. Now, we can't say that in a dogmatic way, but it may be from the language that is used, the kind of historical perspective that is portrayed, it seems to be to have been written in the days of the patriarchs. So that would have been before Moses. And yet, look at what we find, some examples of what we find in the book of Job. We could go farther than that, but we're just going to look at a few. Job chapter 26, verse 7. Speaking of God, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. Now, we would look at that today. We would read those statements and read those statements and say, well, sure, of course. The earth is a planet hanging in the universe within our solar system, but it, it, within our galaxy, but, but within the, the universe. It's a planet positioned there. But when that was written down in Job chapter 26, huh, uh, we were 
possibly thousands of years away from figuring that out from our human reasoning and gaining the intelligence to be able to understand that very fact that was laid out in Scripture in such a commonplace way as it stated. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. Now the concept of space and the suspension of the earth therein, how did Job know that? How did the the writer of Job, perhaps the most ancient of all of the books of the Bible, but certainly very, very ancient in its dating, how did he know what we understand today as just common knowledge? Now, let me share with you some of the common beliefs in the ancient world as to the earth and its position. It was commonly believed by many that the earth was held up by the Greek god, lowercase g, Atlas. Now, nobody could see Atlas. (laughs) Of course, it's mythology. It's not real. But many people believed in the mythological gods, lowercase g. And so they believed that there was this, this big dude, and he was holding up the earth on his shoulders. Another common belief was the earth was supported by four elephants standing on the back of a giant turtle. (laughs) Um, Again, nobody could see the giant turtle, nobody could see the, the four elephants, but that was a common belief, a very common belief in ancient times. But there is Job 26 and verse 7, telling it like it really is. God stretches out the north over empty space. He he hangs the earth on nothing. And that is a very accurate description of the earth positioned there in space, in the universe, as God designed it to be. Now again, how did Job, how did the writer of Job know that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds at least of years, and perhaps thousands of years, depending on the exact date of when Job was written, before humankind as a whole figured it out? Through, science, through, through increased scientific knowledge and testing. But it's right there in the scriptures. Right there in the scriptures. Again, Bible facts require divine intelligence. Let's look at verse 8 in Job chapter 26. He, that is God, binds up the water in his thick clouds... Yet the clouds are not broken under it. Binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. Well, 
what is really being described there is the hydrologic cycle of evaporation of water in the seas and in the lakes and rivers and so on, forming rain clouds that replenish the waters in the rivers that flow into the seas. Interesting, isn't it? Had you thought about that? Again, rather commonplace kind of reference. But he says, he, that is God, binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. When we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 7, all the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. What's well, rather descriptive language, but it's very accurate language in describing that the rivers run into the sea. Have you ever wondered about that? The rivers keep running into the sea. Why do the rivers keep running? Why don't they go dry and stay dry? Once all the water in the river goes into the sea, should that not result in ultimately a, a dry riverbed for the rest of time? But that doesn't happen, does it? The rivers just keep running into the sea. But what about the sea? If all the rivers run into the sea, ultimately, we're talking about the oceans and so on, why doesn't the sea just keep rising and rising and rising? rising? And by now, certainly, it would have overrun all of the dry land on earth. But that doesn't happen. Well, we have some flooding here and there and a coastal way, but over all the dry land, no, the, the, the sea stays pretty much at the same level. How does that happen if the rivers keep running into the sea? And why do the rivers not run out of water if they keep running into the sea? Why does the sea just not overrun all of the dry land on earth? Again, what we're talking about, what's being described, is what we now understand from a, high, uh, from a scientific perspective, the hydrologic cycle. And that is that the waters in the sea evaporate, form rain clouds, and the rain clouds send water down upon the earth that ultimately feeds into the rivers the rivers that run into the seas, and it's just an ongoing, continuing cycle. So the rain replenishes the rivers. The rivers keep flowing into the seas. The seas keep having their water evaporated and going into the rain clouds, and the rain clouds pour rain down on the earth that replenish the rivers and those fresh water, and it just goes on and on and on. It just keeps going in a cycle. If you want to think of it as kind of a circular kind of motion of how nature works, how did that happen except by God's design? And how in the world did the writer of Job know about the hydrologic cycle in those ancient days in which Job was written? 
We didn't figure that out for a whole long time after that was written down in a rather straightforward way right there in God's Word. We'll study a little further next time. Let's pray. Father, you are the awesome God. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Thank you for your creation with such order, and thank you for your word to teach us of your truth. Help us to hold on to it and live by it. Please, we pray, gracious Father, forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.